0: Well, good morning, everybody. So glad to see you here at Timberwood. And uh, we invite you to stand. Let's all sing together.
1: Good morning and welcome to Timberwood Church. We're glad that you have joined us this morning. I was warned ahead of time of that extended uh, end of that song. I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago, it took me three attempts to get up here and Lee wouldn't stop playing. Does he not understand the importance of the announcements? But I was warned ahead of time, so I patiently sat there and waited for 25 minutes. Um, a couple of announcements, really just the main one is this card. For those of you that are here, you're sitting on it, Maybe. Or it was there when you picked it up. If you tell it out, let us know you're here. Really important part, the back of the card, chance for our prayer requests and answers to prayer. And reminding people at home that you can send in your prayer requests by calling the office or by going on our website and sending in prayer requests. Also, three weeks from today is our baptism service. And we're going to be talking a little bit more as that gets closer. But the reason I'm bringing that up is if you're thinking about being baptized, it's a good time to, to let us know and we can start talking about it. So if you're interested, normally you'd have a sign-up sheet. We don't have that this year. Just call the office or email us uh, and let us know that you're interested, and we will uh, talk you through the process. There will be a class uh, coming up closer to the, uh, the actual baptism date. And as we've talked about, uh, it's going to be kind of a bring-your-own meal, and uh, it's going to be at Pelican Lake again. So three weeks from today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, we do praise you as the one and only true God. And it's so easy to say that, Lord, and, and we know your word says that, and we know that's what we're taught, but to live that out, Lord, we acknowledge is sometimes hard. There are so many other things that, well, get in our way, grab our attention, become, well, godlike idols or things, or things we affiliate or things we listen to or things we let influence us that really take the place of you. We acknowledge that. Help us us learn not to do that. Help us learn to learn everything that we need to know from you. And that's the only source of wisdom and truth. Lord, as we go through this process of sanctification, of being formed into the likeness of your son, Jesus, as your word says, we just pray that you would teach us about being just and being right and being merciful and being gracious. Help us understand what those words mean in your eyes, because that's the only meaning that matters, and teach us how to live that out. And as we do that, as we live that out, Lord, use us. Use us to show the world what it means to be a follower of your Son, Jesus Christ, and how, what it means to be the people of God, what it means to be the cutting edge of the advancement of your kingdom. We pray this and we acknowledge this because, again, you are the only true God. You are the, the Holy One of Israel. You are the one that sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to save us. And for that, we will worship you forever. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: I invite you to please stand as we sing about the holiness of God. If <laughs> for Be seated.
2: This is the slow burn, John Just. Just total. What do you see when you look in the mirror in the morning? Okay, seriously. Like when you look in the mirror and this morning I had one of those mirror experiences where I'm like, when am I going to stop cutting my face? Okay, I have cut my face like for like 30-some years now, okay? When the first little hair started showing up in 9th or 10th or 11th grade or something like that, uh, some of you out there, right, you're like wondering, am I ever going to get any facial hair? Yeah, it'll happen someday, unless you're Eric Coles, then it'll never happen. <laughs> Why would I do that? That's so cruel, but True. Second question I have is when am I going to stop getting acne? Now, my wife would say I should wash my face more, and that's probably true, but still, it doesn't seem to really make a huge difference. But when you look in the mirror, besides acne and cutting your face, okay, and you would say, well, why don't you just use an electric razor? Because it's not cool. I mean, if there's electric razor wearers out there, I'm sure you're from an alien planet or some political party that I don't even want to be associated with. Because really, a good blade shave, nothing beats it. A straight blade, we've talked about all of this, right? At any rate, what do you see when you look in the mirror? What do you see? you see old lines? Do you see a tanned face? you see history? Do you see youth? Have you looked in the mirror? Seriously, have you looked in the mirror? Have you ever just spent, and this would be a little weird if you do it with other people around, but... Try looking in the mirror. Last week we offered the idea, a bunch of years ago, I discovered that heroes of the faith really have some pretty dark places in their life that are discussed in this book. Why present such flawed people? We asked this question, right? Have you thought about it? Have you used that question as a mirror? I did, you know, and I'm thinking I'm flawed as well, I'm flawed as well, and, and a willingness to come face to face with that reality. There's also this reality that it's God's story. It's not a human story. This isn't a book about humans, as tempted as we want to make it about ourselves. It's a book about God. And even though, in the temporal sense, there are numerous and often painful distractions, there is a very specific hope for which this book points. And the simple, salient fact that I need, I need, you need, we need God's grace, His forgiveness. And I know that there is nothing that I can do that makes God love me more. There's nothing that you can do that will make God love you more. And there's nothing that you can do, there's nothing that I can do that will make God love me less. And yet God repeatedly challenges me, even with that fact in play, there's no excuse for poor behavior. The text today, Isaiah chapter 60. Let's get into it. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Your daughters shall be carried on the hip. They shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult Verse 2, but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. you. Maybe you saw this last week in the New York Times in the science section. They had this thing about, about fish, okay? Fish that live in the very deepest parts of the ocean, okay? They're colloquially known as blackfish. And one specific blackfish, a uh, bioluminescent angelfish, absorbs 99.95% of light that it's directed that way. And you'd think, well, why is that a big deal? Well, when you're in the very deep deepest part of the ocean, any little bit of light will give you away. Literally, if you were to catch this fish, you would hold it up like this, and it would look like a black hole, okay? It, would, it absorbs 99.95% of visible light. A black sheet of paper only absorbs 90% of visible light, so you can actually see a black sheet of paper, and basically, this little angelfish has this thing that dangles off the front of its face, okay? And it's bioluminescent, okay? And then other fish are like, oh, wow, look, at something to eat. Little do they know that there's this lurking thing behind it, absorbing light, waiting for a tasty little snack. That's the exact opposite of what the text is talking about. But the challenge is that many times... We take the light of God that is directed in our direction, pointed towards us, and we keep it here. We keep it here. The text is arguing that there is a day in which darkness is dispelled because God's light is so intent and so reflected by his people That there's not even any need for a son. Now the challenge is when does this happen, right? And we've been through this with the book of Isaiah, right? And Oswald has helped us and given us some guidance. And and certainly it had meaning to the original people that heard it coming back from exile. And yet we also know that verses like this haven't and don't locate themselves in the past. And a chapter like chapter 60 locates itself in the future in a hope when life is radically different than how we experience it today. But for the follower of Jesus Christ, is there not something in that future hope that should be drawn into today's experience? That if this future reality exists, is there not some part of it, if we are to emulate, if we are to imitate the cause of Christ, should not our uh, lives reflect Jesus Christ? Should we not be a a signature beacon of hope that in a land that is dark, too dark to see, there is this mirrored reflection of the God of the universe and people are attracted not to us, but because through our lives, through our existence, we reflect the God of the universe. So so do we? Do we reflect the God of the universe? We're made in the image of God, good place to start. Where do we go from there? Do we reflect the God of the universe in the way that we drive, in the way that we talk, in the subject matter that occupies our time, in the things that we consume? I have friends who have said no to various social media platforms because they're like, when they get in those spots, they don't reflect Jesus Christ. And so they're like, rather than be sucked into something that is a black hole, they say, no, I just don't want to do it because it's not reflective of who Jesus Christ is in my life. Sometimes we think the standard is, oh, if I just make this post, if I just make this comment, I can convince someone about the wrongness of their position. And yet, that's not the standard at all. From how we drive, to the way we live, to the things that we post, to the things that we talk about, to the things that we consume, are we reflecting the God of the universe in all that we do and all that we say? And to be sure, that is a challenge that is so far out there that no one will ever, this short of eternity, meet it. But that does not mean the challenge isn't there and that a holy God isn't willing to invite us to something more than we are currently existing. To in a greater and more powerful way reflect the reality of the God of the universe, His Son Jesus Christ, and the Spirit that works in our lives in all that we do. In all that we say. To not simply absorb but to let the world around us see. The text goes on, Amazon Prime. Then you shall see and be brilliant, radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exalt, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kadar shall be gathered to you and the rams of Nebaioth shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar and I will beautify my house. There's this response that when God finally reveals himself, it's like this massive Amazon Prime shipment that just comes right to your door, which is really a cool thing. Ran out of scratch. Drink mix the other day, been doing a lot of riding. Tom and I went out this last week. We had a great time running out of scratch. I go to Amazon Prime. No one around here carries scratch. Go to Amazon Prime, one click shopping. It'll be at my house on Monday happiness just absolutely happiness that's the picture that's the picture the bounty of the nations it's like maury seafood is on speed dial right okay we got fresh tuna we got fresh halibut never frozen okay we got um salmon we got scallops and it is scallops again it's not scallops sound like you're from the midwest when you say scallops it's scallops ask a new englander it's scallops or scallops you can't you can't not be who you are, you know, even though you try. You just some whole belly clams. It's like going to Woodman's out on the near Gloucester. It's the wealth of the nations. It's like throwing roses on the stage after an amazing performance. This display this display isn't for us. It's not for followers of Jesus. It's for God. It's in response to God. It's praising God. And again, it is reflective of who we should be as individuals. Waiting for this day, that is yet future, but living in the present and and honoring a relationship that is breathtaking to say the least. it's for God. It's in response to God. It's praising God. I don't know if you caught it, but this last week on Friday, J.I. Packer died. Um, J.I. Packer was this guy, Knowing God, perhaps you've read it. I actually haven't, which I'm a little bit embarrassed to say, but not terribly embarrassed that I'm not willing to say it. But Jack Packer's like this giant, right? Okay, so first of all, he's, he's Anglican, and he goes to, I think he went to Oxford, and he did a Ph.D. in theology on Richard Baxter, the famous evangelist out of England um, way back when. And, uh, and, um, and then, so he spends half of his life as, as an Anglican in England, then the other half of his life living in Canada as a, a professor at, at Regent College out in uh, Vancouver. He's known sometimes, he's a really attractive figure in reform circles, probably identified by Mark Knoll ably as both an Anglican and a Calvinist. At any rate, towards the end of his life, he was asked the question, okay, what are your final words to the church? What are your final words to the church? What are your final words to the followers of Jesus Christ? Packer replies. And, and he kind of had this, he made fun of his name, Packer, packing a lot into a little bit, not going really. He had no need for personal fame. He's like, I think I could boil it down into four words glorify Christ every way. It's for God. Our lives are to be for God. We give of who we are for God, not for ourselves. We reflect God not to make ourselves look good, to make God look good. It is a draw, it is the reality, it is the future hope, and it is something to which we can aspire today. The text goes on, verse 8. "'Who are these that fly like a cloud and like doves to their windows?' For the coastland shall hope for me and the ships of Tarshish first to bring your children from afar, their silver and gold with them, for the name of the Lord your God, for the Holy One of Israel. This is one of two times that that text phrase, Holy One of Israel, occurs in chapter 60, and it will be the last two times it occurs in the book of Isaiah. For the Holy One of Israel, because He has made you beautiful. Foreigners shall build up your walls, and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath, I struck you, but in my favor, I have had mercy on you. Your gates shall be open continually, day and night, they shall not be shut, that people may bring to you the wealth of the nations with their kings led in procession. For the nation and kingdom that will not serve you shall perish, those nations shall utterly laid waste, be utterly laid waste. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the plain, and the pine, to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make the place of my feet glorious. The sons of those who afflicted you shall come bending low to you, and all who despise you shall bow at your feet. They shall call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated, with no one passing through, I will make you majestic forever a joy from age to age. You shall suck the milk of nations. You shall nurse at the breast of kings. You shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Israel. It's homeward bound. It's being brought back to the homeland. And again, we can get caught up in a temporal sequence here. We can get caught up into physical realities. But I think Oswald is accurate, and I think we can clearly see this is a spiritual reality. This notion of going home, it's kind of, I'm sitting in a railway station, got a ticket for my destination. You're with me, right? On a tour, one night stands, my suitcase and guitar, hand, and every spot is neatly planned for a poet and a one-man man. I tried singing a couple weeks ago. They got so many outstanding reviews, I figured I'd bring it back. Homeward bound, I wish I was. I do. I do. I mean, I love this world. Too strong of a phrase. I love the relationships that I have in this world. But there's times where I wish I was homeward bound. The Holy One of Israel, the last two times it shows in Isaiah. And we have this picture of 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 roles that are reversed. That that the oppressors are now working. The image of, of foreign lands and foreign kings and, and foreign strength offering the people who had to this point been oppressed lemonade. It, it, open gates. Verse 11. Certainly the notion of safety. And for the capitalists among us, there's a lot, there's a lot of trade going on. Just, just camels everywhere. This is safety. This is security. Verse 12. This, this bracing reality. That either intentionally or unintentionally, people will serve God. Verse 13, this beautiful garden imagery, nice woodwork, nice rugs. Verse 14, those who have been in the business of afflicting are now bending at their knee. And again, the point of all of this is not the glorification of the individual or even the community, it's God. Imagine if we didn't have to fight or spend time or spend energy fighting. Imagine if we could truly live with this future picture in mind. Is that me? Maybe. I'm moving too much? imagine if we could truly live with the belief that this is accurate. That in the end, God will make all things right. How much energy do we spend on stuff that is so temporal? We don't have to fight. It's not our job. What we have to do is something infinitely harder. We have to serve God. We have to reflect His glory. We have to, at every point, at every time, glorify Christ in every way. Verse 16, we're at the side of royalty, a safe place, a secure place. The imagery is absolutely beautiful. And all of this, well, there's an incredibly important benefit that accrues to the followers of Jesus, to the true followers of God, we might argue to true Israel, that the people who follow God will know that God is their Savior, their Redeemer, the Mighty One. The text concludes, verses 17 through 22. Instead of bronze, I will bring gold. Instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze, bronze. Instead of stones, iron. I will make your overseers peace and your taskmasters righteousness. Now that's kind of an interesting phrase, in a phrase right? Because usually an overseer is a bad thing. A taskmaster someone do this. And yet those things are associated with this notion of peace and righteousness. Violence shall no more be heard in your land. Devastation or destruction within your borders. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun shall no more your light by day. Nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended. Your people shall all be righteous, and they shall possess the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. The least one shall become a clan, and the smallest one a mighty nation. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. In its time, I will hasten it. A further description of that which will be the best in verse 17. No more violence in verse 18. Walls are salvation. The end of mourning. Fast forwarding to Revelation again. Verses 21 and 22. From the land to the people. And we have this vineyard motif that is again picked up by Jesus in John chapter 14. And the people? The people will be righteous. They'll be eternal. And their purpose will be to make God look good. And they will have an outsized influence. Because it seems like God always likes the little guy. It's an amazing, breathtaking picture of that which is just down the road. And the invitation, I think we can argue effectively, is to bring this reality, to to function with this confidence on a daily basis there are so many things in our world that seek to tear us away from the reality of what this book is promising to us for those who are found in Christ. So I ask you to look into a mirror. Sometime this week, Or maybe multiple times this week. Friday night, there was the threat of storms, right? Everyone heard about them, sirens going off. And, and I don't know, I, wouldn't, I won't use a four-letter acronym to describe what I was feeling because I honestly know people who have, who have been in battle. And, and so what I have is not that four-letter acronym. But... After surviving a few storms around here, you get a little freaked out when another one rolls in, you know? So I lift up the garage door, and I sit in my chair, and I'm just sitting there. I'm drinking a cup of milk, okay? I don't know why milk. I suppose I had a cookie, so that made sense. i like, I might as well just sit here, and if the world's going to end tonight, just, you know, send a, like, birch three through my heart or something like that, you know? And I just sat there, right? I didn't have a mirror in front of me, but I thought. And there's a part of me that wants to go home so bad. And so I pray to a holy God what you say. I am the Lord. In its time, I will hasten it. Come quickly, please. But while I wait, give me breath in the most compelling way possible to represent your kingdom to a world who desperately needs to know Jesus Christ. Reflecting Him. Please pray with me. Father, we come to you, and we ask that your spirit is active. Allow your spirit to do the magic in your lives that only a holy God, only the Holy One of Israel can do. Let us find our identity in you. And let our lives reflect your son all of our days, in all ways. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: We invite you to stand as we sing together as we close today.
2: Obituary in Christianity today, and I leave you with his words for the church glorify Christ every way. In Jesus' name, amen.